You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Let's welcome up the one and only Pastor Andrew Cromwell. That's ridiculous. Good morning, everybody. God is good. All the time, all the time. It is good to be with you, good to worship with you this morning. Uh, my wife and I uh, had a little time off the last uh, 10 days. We ran away together. We left the teenagers. We threw some food there. We said, uh, make, hope, hope you can make it. And, uh, and we ran away and uh, had just uh, spent time together, just the two of us. I think I brought a picture back from you um, just to let you know, number one, how I look without a collared shirt on. Uh, that is possible for me to do. And number two, look, I know it's, it is collared, but it's, it's, but look at that beautiful lady. That's what happens. That's what happens when you follow the Lord, okay? That's, that, that's the kind of ladies that, that you get. We, we did have a wonderful time uh, traveling. We had a trip that we were originally going to go on in January, but because of all the shutdowns and everything, we had to reschedule it. So finally, we were able to do it. Uh, international trips, so we come back, we're kind of jet lagged and recovering, and so dragging a little bit this morning. We're still waking up at 2 and 3 a.m. and saying, are you awake? Yeah, are, are you awake? And, and getting readjusted, but uh, I just want to say, Number one, it's good to invest in your marriage, people. Uh, and thank you, number two, especially to a church that allows us to do that as a staff, uh, as a lead pastor certainly, but all of our staff. Uh, we're so grateful uh, to serve at a church uh, that allows us to do vacation time and builds that time in for us for an el elder board that encourages us to do that. And then also just for a team that makes it possible for us each to get away and the church not to miss a step. Of course, Pastor Candace last week gave the message with such a powerful message. I listened to that and, and uh, just so, so encouraging and, and so in line and, and all the staff that you have, that we have, our privilege to have on, uh, on this, at this church is just awesome, awesome, awesome. So I wanna say thanks to Pastor Candace, thanks to Pastor Chad, Pastor Roger, all those who make that possible. Would you give it up for them because we really do have an incredible staff. Before I get into the message today, I just want to highlight our book of the month um, and invite you into it if you're not a part of this. Uh, it's kind of our informal book club that we're, we're doing together for the, anybody that wants to be a part of it. You don't have to follow it every month. You, you can jump in, jump out. You can jump in for the first time. This month we're reading together Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh, some of you might be familiar with that, might have read it before. This is uh, a, really a Christian classic. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, is one of the greatest Christian apologists, authors of the 20th century, and uh, just has a way of writing that is very approachable. And uh, this is a great book, uh, just explains our faith in a way that is approachable, understandable, will help you understand some of the foundations uh, of your faith. And I just want to invite you to feed yourself some good faith, life-giving material uh, in this month, uh, if you would like to be a part of this. We do have some of those for sale uh, at guest services. Of course, you can get it on Amazon, you can get on audiobook to listen. Uh, what we're doing in this is we are feeding ourselves something different than the word, world feeds us. Uh, and I want you to be conscious that whatever you are receiving through your eyes and through your ears, the media that we intake, it, nothing is neutral. Uh, everything that we receive trains us and forms us in some way. And so you are constantly being shaped. Your soul is constantly being shaped. 
Uh, and the media that the world offers to us generally is not shaping your soul in the way that God wants your soul to be shaped and formed. Uh, and in order for us to counteract and contradict that, number one, it takes responsibility. I'm responsible for what goes in. Uh, I'm responsible to be aware of what I'm watching, and, you know, the things that I'm scrolling on my phone, the YouTube videos that, that I'm feeding myself with, the, the radio that seems to be nonsensical, but that's always going in the background. All of that is shaping us, and this is one of the ways that we can feed ourselves material and really take a fight to make sure that we're being formed and shaped in the right way. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that, uh, and if you haven't been, jump on board and, uh, and pick one up and read with us in this month. We're in a series called a season of prayer uh, and intercession. I'm going to continue that today. This is actually week four, and whether or not you have caught all the other weeks or none of the other weeks, uh, we're just going to catch you up kind of right now, uh, and, and, and you won't miss out on, on uh, the understanding of what's happening today. I want to make sure that you're in a group, if you're not in a group, that you're studying the material along with us. We have that online. There's additional videos that you can go to our website and get. But I, I do especially want to encourage you to get into a group, and uh, there's still time to do that. You can still jump into the study. Uh, groups meet almost every evening, almost every day of the week. Uh, and if you uh, want to find one, guest services can help you. You can almost just show up at the church any night and just wander the hallways, and you will stumble into a group. Uh, and they will invite you, and you will find yourself to be encouraged. We're seeking to, to dig deeper. Uh, I, I don't want you just to stay at surface level. This is an invitation in this season to go deeper than the surface level, and I believe it's an important thing for us as a church to embrace together. Uh, whether this is uh, a place that's new for you at Koinonia or whether you've been here for a long time, the call for us is, is to go deeper. We need to go deeper in study. We need to go deeper in prayer. We need to go deeper in our relationship with, with the Lord. And, and so you can do that through uh, the small group. I also want to encourage you to put rubber to the road. We're, we're studying prayer and intercession. So we're studying how to pray. So it's not enough just to study it. It's not enough just to learn some verses about it. Uh, we don't want to just be good at quoting some things. We want to pray. We want to learn how to actually do the thing. And, uh, and so one of the ways that you can put rubber to the road, there's many ways you can do that, but one of the ways that we're doing that is on Friday mornings, we're gathering uh, for prayer right here in this room at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so it's before work. You might have to set your alarm a little early. Some people are, are coming for maybe 20 or 30 minutes, and then they have to go to their work because they start a little bit earlier. Uh, some are coming in their PJs. Um, and, uh, and, and we just have an incredible time of, of worship and then, and then prayer together, corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is something different than individual prayer, and we're learning as a church uh, how to really go into God's presence and how to get some work, some work done. Now, let me paint the picture for you just where we've been, what this series is about. Uh, when we're talking about a season of prayer and intercession, what we're talking about is not a new season. We're talking about the reality that today is a day of prayer and intercession because the moment that Christ went back into heaven is the moment of intercession now, the age of intercession on the earth that the church of the living God is invited into, uh, and more than that, is required to be a church of prayer. That you and I, as a house of God, not just the corporate house, but individuals who are in fact the church, you and I are the church of God, that we are called to be people of prayer. And the invitation is from, from God the Father for each one of us to look like Jesus. We are called to be really little Christ. That's what really what Christianity is, or Christians. It, originally in the Greek, it was little Christs, that we would look like Jesus in every way. And today in heaven, 
Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated on the throne of grace. And he is interceding for us. He is interceding for you. He's interceding for your kids. He's interceding for your neighbors. He's interceding for every person on the planet. He's praying for us. And we are to be looking like Jesus today. We are to be about his business. And if we're going to look like Jesus, we need to be interceding. We need to be praying. We need to actually be doing the thing that Jesus does. He said, Jesus, when he was on earth, he said, what you see me doing is what my father is doing in heaven. You should, you should look like I'm looking. I'm looking like my father. You should look like me. We're going to look together like Father God in heaven. And that's why today we are invited into this season of prayer and intercession. We're invited into doing the work that heaven desires us to do. When the disciples came to Jesus, they asked him, teach us how to pray, Lord. He said to them, pray in this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we are to pray a prayer of invitation, a prayer that gives authority so that God's kingdom would be present here in this place. And you know what? Heaven is actually waiting for a people who would stand and would invite God, the Father, to come in that we would invite his kingdom to reign, that we invite his rule to be present in our homes and in our streets and in our churches and in our communities. And so when we're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, it's just not a nice thing that we're repeating. We're actually operating in the authority that Jesus himself has given to us. You and I have authority. We are in Christ. We now carry the name of Jesus Christ, the name that's above every other name, the name that is a name of authority. And when we pray, God, let your kingdom come, something's actually happening in the heavenlies. And the truth is there are things that will never happen in your life. And there are blessings that will never be released on your kids. And there are things that God wants to do in your family and in this church, in this community that will never happen until and unless someone prays. Until and unless a people realize that the real game, the real work is the game of prayer and intercession. That the real thing that's important is not a title on earth, it's not money, it's not fame, it's not fortune, it's those who are known in the halls of heaven. Is your voice heard by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and are you working with him? That's what this series is about. It's a reminder and a stirring up of each one of us as a church to be in the real game, to be in the game of prayer and intercession. It is, in fact, the difference maker. It is the difference maker between a life at a mediocre level and a life at a high level. Those who understand how to hear the voice of God, those who understand how to release blessing into their lives and the lives of others, those who understand how to experience God's manifest presence today, right now, where we're at. That's prayer and intercession. That's the difference maker for each one of us. Today, what I wanna talk to you about is striking the target in prayer. I'm gonna, this could also be entitled uh, prevailing prayer or prayer that prevails. It's possible for your prayers to be weak prayers. <laughs> Don't you know that? Haven't you had the experience of praying a prayer and feeling like you sort of, it went right up to the ceiling and it hit the, the roof and, and it fell right back down on the ground? Right? It's, it's the prayer that sometimes it just feels like, is anything happening? Nothing, nothing is going on. I, it's almost like I, I'm, I'm just uselessly praying out these things that are not ever returning to me. And, and the reality is, is that in prayer, many times what we have to do is we have to strike the target repeatedly if we're going to see the enemy defeated. When we talk about prevailing prayer, 
We're talking about a prayer that ultimately wins, right? We're talking about uh, a God who actually is going to come and he's going to defeat the foe. He's going to break the back of the enemy and he's going to prevail and his kingdom is in fact going to come. Prevail, if you look it up, what it means is to prove to be stronger than the opposition, to actually, to, to actually overcome and win the war. That, that, is, that is the one that, that prevails. When we talk about prevailing prayer, there is a prayer that does not prevail. There is a prayer that's a nice prayer. That there is a prayer, sometimes it's even a beautiful prayer, but that doesn't actually get anywhere. And then there's a prayer that actually pushes through to the point of victory. And there will always be opposition against those things that you're praying for in your life. There, there is, in fact, an enemy that we face in this world. But Jesus said the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's opposed to every good thing that God wants to do in your life. He's opposed to the good things that God wants to do in, in your family. He's opposed to, to your kids knowing who he is and following him. He's opposed to you having his healing in your body, soul, and in your spirit. He's opposed to all those things. And that opposition is what we stand against when we offer prayers to heaven. And in order for us to see our prayers answered, oftentimes what we have to do is we have to continue to strike. We have to continue to hit the target. Jacob Riss uh, said this. He says, I look at the stone cutter hammering away at a rock a hundred times without so much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it splits in two. I know it was not the one blow that did it, but all that had gone before. Imagine the, the stonemason, uh, he, he's got the hammer, uh, he's got the chisel, and, and he begins to whack away at that stone that just doesn't seem to yield, it doesn't seem to change, it doesn't seem to be adjusting to the hammer that the mason is, is using. And your, your prayers are, are many times like that hammer against the chisel, that we strike at the stone. We strike at the, what seems to be unmovable. We strike at the op forces of opposition that seem to be in our way. And we continue to blow, strike blows with a hammer, one after the other after the other. And we often don't know when finally the stone will yield. When finally it will crack and it will open and we will see the prayer answered. But see, if you don't actually ever continue to strike the stone, it never actually breaks. You never, you could do it one time, ten times, fifty times, and you're thinking, nothing is happening. Nothing is going on. I might as well quit. I might as well stop. We get discouraged because we don't see any success in our prayer. We seem like we have prayed the prayer over and over and over again, and nothing's happening. And imagine the stonemason giving up after a few blows. Imagine him giving up after 50 blows, 50 strikes, and he says, nothing is working. And yet he continues because he knows ultimately there will, in fact, be a response. I want to begin with you in Luke chapter 5, and you can turn in your Bibles if you'd like to turn there, and you can follow along in the notes uh, this morning as well. As always, we have them online. You can get them uh, through the Church Center app, uh, and uh, there's a fill-in-the-blank digitally that you can use there if you want to do that. There's a way to email the notes to yourself and all that 
gobbledygook. And, and then you can also, of course, uh, take a piece of paper out if you want. That still works too. We have pieces of paper and we have pencils and we have pens and I love that. And, and you can use that as well. Uh, let's look at Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 4. It'll be on the screens as well. A story that you may be familiar with. Uh, and it's early in Jesus's ministry. He's just at the moment of beginning to select his, his disciples. And, and it says this in verse 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Uh, just, just an aside, the Lord tells you to do something. It's always a good idea to do it. Because you say so, Peter says. Because, because you ask, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and do it again. It's always a good idea to just go ahead and be obedient when the Lord tells you something. And tell you, if, you're, if you're reading your Bible and, you're, and the Scripture says, stop doing what you're doing, it's a good idea. Do what it says. Because that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you usually. And he's saying, you need to, you need to adjust some things. The Lord says to you, you need to forgive your spouse. Forgive your spouse. Uh, what are you doing? I, I, I'm getting on the side there, but the Lord says to you, you need to go ask for forgiveness. Go and ask for forgiveness. Don't, don't, don't argue with him. Don't say, I've tried it before, did it before. Uh, I've gone that way before. It didn't work before. You just say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because you say so. At your word, Lord, I will do what you say. He continues this in verse 6. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It's an interesting story, right? I mean, here you have Peter, and he's, he's a professional fisherman. He's not an amateur fisherman, right? He's, he's not a weekend fisherman who takes a pole in the truck and, you know, he throws, throws a line in just to hope to catch a fish. This is a guy that fishes for a living. He, he owns the boat. He, he's the master of, of the boat. And they've been out fishing all night, and he knows what to do. He knows where to fish. He knows when to fish. He knows all the tricks of the trade. This is what he does, and all night long, they have been casting their nets. All night long, they've been doing the hard work of casting and drawing them in and moving the boat around, and they have nothing to show for it the next morning, and fishing time is over, and I think they're probably a little, a little dejected, certainly exhausted, and they're going to probably go home and rest up so they can do the same thing the next night. And here Jesus says to Peter, why don't you go ahead and go throw out the nets in the same exact place that you've been fishing all night? Why don't you go ahead and do one more time what didn't work all the other times, what hasn't worked all night long, probably now at the wrong time uh, because now it's morning and the, and the good fishing time is over. And Jesus says, just go and do that same exact thing that you've already done and hasn't worked all the other times that you've done it, but just go and do it. Just trust me one more time. And Peter goes out. And he says, that's your word, and he throws the nets in, and they get a catch that's larger than, you know, reasonable. They get a catch that begins to break their nets. It's so large, of course, they have to call their fishermen friends, and they have to haul in the, the nets, uh, which is an exciting and incredible, incredible moment. Now, think of the nets just for a moment as your prayers. 
in your prayer life, and the things that you've been asking for, the, the people that you've been standing for, the kids perhaps, or the grandkids that you've been praying for, the, the area of healing that you've been asking God for, that, that stronghold of opposition that, that you face in your family and maybe a poverty issue in, in your finances that continues to, it's almost like there's holes in your pockets. And there could be so many different things. It's a prayer that you continue to pray and you throw the net out. And of course, the fish are, uh, represent the, the prayers answered. And you've been casting the net and it just doesn't seem like it ever comes back. Nothing ever is is returning in your favor. The fish are not actually being caught. It's almost as if your, your nets have holes in them and you're thinking, man, is, is this doing anything? And, and you've been casting and you've been casting and you've been casting and, and you begin to be discouraged. It's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to, to begin to doubt that what you're praying for is ever going to happen, that maybe you start to say to yourself, maybe I'm praying wrong, maybe, maybe I need to pray different, maybe I need to do something different, maybe I need to yell louder, maybe I need to dance when I pray. I mean, we just start to go through the thing. I, I, what, do, what do I got to do, Lord? And the Lord says to Peter, and he says it to you today, go ahead and keep praying. Go ahead and, and throw the net out again, because the beautiful thing about that story is that at the end of the day, the timing of the catch depends upon Jesus. The timing of the answered prayer doesn't depend upon you. It doesn't depend upon how you do it, how you're praying. There's, there's no magic formula here. We're not talking about some secret strategy of prayer that suddenly if you say the magic words, then God will answer. Because the truth is, is that God is the one that controls the timing of the answer to your prayer. And the reality is, is that what you and I must do is continue to cast the net. Because whether it's the first blow or the 10th blow or the 50th blow or the 100th blow that the stone finally yields, that's up to the Lord. That's not up to you. That's not up to me. Now, we get frustrated so very quickly when we pray once or twice or maybe even three times and nothing happens. We figure, let, let me just move on. I guess that prayer is not going to be answered. But prevailing prayer recognizes that we must continue. It recognizes that we're going to continue to cast than that. And before I move on, I, I just want to take a moment and I want to minister to you if you've been, if you've been in a situation where you're, you just feel like you've been praying and praying and praying. Maybe it's for a child or a grandkid. Maybe it's for an heir of your life where you just haven't been able to find breakthrough and you continue to struggle and, and you know, whatever it is that you, but you, you know, you're the, you're the person that's been standing and standing and standing and you're just exhausted. You're like Peter in the morning saying, I fished all night and I didn't get anything from it. And, and you're wondering, man, I'm, am I just going to go home empty-handed? And, and I, I just believe the Lord wants to strengthen you today. He, he wants us as a church to pray for you and with you that you would not give up and that you would not give in in the hour when right around the corner the answer is coming. And, and if that's you today, and if you're feeling exhausted, and you've been standing, and you feel like, I don't know if the Lord is hearing my prayers, I don't know, but I need somebody to pray for me, I just want to invite you to stand up. It might be two people, it might be five people, it might be 20 people, but if that's your situation, stand because we want to pray for you this morning. Praise God. Let me just encourage you. God is not a God that lies. God is not a God that's blind. He's, he's not far away. He hears your prayer. He knows what's on your heart. He's, he's moving on your behalf. The timing often is not dependent on, the timing is never dependent on us. It's not the way that we want it. 
Uh, the, the scripture says that the Lord is not slow as some count slowness. In other words, it seems to us sometimes that it's never going to happen. Lord, it seems like you're delaying unnecessarily the answer that is coming. I just want to encourage you. God is at work, and he's at work on your behalf, in your best interest, in the timing that is best for you and for the situation. And it, it, what you need to do is continue to be faithful. Then let me just encourage you, your answer is on the way. There's fish that are coming into the net. The God is a God that is going to actually provide and bring breakthrough, and he never, ever, ever fails. So let's just pray for these ones, our brothers and sisters, the church, if you would just extend your hand maybe to someone that's standing up around you, and let's just begin to pray. God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters that have been faithfully standing in prayer. And Lord, we know and understand what it is to feel like our prayers are just not doing anything. And so God, we pray right now, strength to them, in Jesus' name. We pray for a fresh breath of air, of faith. We pray, God, that there would be a new day and a new vision and a new ability to stand in prayer. And more than that, Lord, we ask for a full net. We ask for breakthrough moments. We ask for salvation for kids. We ask for healing for bodies. We ask for breakthrough in finances. Lord, what they've been standing for, we're asking that you would bring the answer in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said where two or more gather, where they agree, you're in the midst to them, and what's more, you answer their prayer. So we together pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters and ask that you would move on their behalf in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You may take your seats. Let me talk to you about three examples of prevailing prayer. I'm encouraging you this morning to pray and not give up. I'm encouraging this morning that there's a kind of prayer that we must do if we're going to receive the answer to the prayer. It's the kind of prayer that wins. Uh, and let me just give you three biblical examples of what that looks like, the prayer that breaks through opposition. Well, if you want to learn things, uh, it's always best to look at Scripture. If you want to find out how to do things, you look for scriptural examples. The first one is this, Elijah. The prophet Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament. We find this, this particular story in 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19. Uh, and uh, it is the story of Elijah uh, and a time of drought over Israel, and then ultimately a time when the drought ends. It's a, it's a three-year period. And James in the New Testament says this about Elijah. It says, then he prayed again. Would you just say again? It says, then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Again is pretty critical if you're going to be the kind of person that prevails in prayer. This story is a fascinating story. Elijah, the prophet, is told by the Lord uh, that he's going to judge the nation of Israel, and, and he's going to stop up heaven, and he commands Elijah to pray to stop uh, the rain from falling for a period of three years, and, the, and there's no rain for three years. There's a period of drought that speaks of the judgment because of the wickedness in the land. The end of three years, God once again speaks to Elijah, and he says, now the period of drought is over, and I'm going to send the rain. And I think what's interesting is that then in each of these cases, God speaks to Elijah, God tells Elijah what is going to happen, what he wants to happen in the territory of Israel, but then Elijah has to do something, which is kind of a problem when it comes to when God talks to me, I would prefer him just to do the good things that he says he's going to do. I don't want to have to do anything in order for that to happen. Are, are, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I, I mean, I would just like the Lord to say, uh, Andrew, you know, I'm going to bless you and, and I'm going to keep you. I'm going to make you, you know, all the things. And I would just say, yeah, God, just do it. 
But the reality is, is that there's always a part that you and I have to play in obedience. There's always an, a part that you and I have to play in, in, in that next role, that, that, that the will of God oftentimes will not happen in your life unless you are a willing participant, unless you are actually willing to do the things that he tells you to do in his life. So Elijah has to pray. He prays first that the heavens would stop and then it stops raining, and then here's the second time uh, and he, and to pray that the rain would now once again restart. And so Elijah goes up to the mountain, and James says here he prays again, and heaven gave rain. Now, if you go back to 1 Kings, you'll see that praying again isn't just two times. Though the way that the story goes is that the prophet goes up to the mountain and he prays, God, would you open up the heavens? Uh, and it doesn't really even say what he prays. It doesn't say how long he prays. It just says that he prays that, that, the heaven would be, that rain would begin to fall. And he has a servant, and so Elijah does his prayer time. I don't know if it's a 30-second prayer time. I don't know if he prays for 10 minutes or for an hour. If it was me, it'd be like a 60-second prayer. Hey, God, you know, would you please just, you said, open up the heavens. You're just going to bring the rain. So, Lord, would you just let it rain? And he sends his servant out to go and look and to see if there's any clouds, any rain clouds coming in the sky. His servant goes out, there's nothing, he comes back, he says, no, Elijah, obviously you, you don't know how to pray. Uh, and, uh, and so it says, Elijah prayed again. So he prays again, maybe he prays a little bit longer, I don't know, and, and then he says to the servant after a little while, go and look and see if there's any rain clouds. He goes and he looks and he sees there's nothing, comes back, sorry, Elijah, it's still, still not working. Elijah prays again. Now, I don't know if he starts to yell at that point, I don't know if he starts, somehow he prays again seven times, he sends the servant out to see if anything is happening. And six times he comes back. Not until the seventh time does he come back. And the seventh time he says to the prophet, he says, I see, I see like a little mist. I, I see like the tiniest cloud. He, he says literally, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist, which is pretty small up in the sky. And Elijah says, come on, let's go. Rain is coming. The answer has arrived. Because he understood that prevailing prayer is a prayer that doesn't quit. He understood that sometimes you have to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I think that's seven times. In order to see the answer coming. And, and I love also, right, when, when the answer comes, it doesn't need much evidence for him to say, it's here. God has responded. I mean, I just see just a, a little wisp. And Elijah says, that's it, bro. Let's go. The, the rain is coming, and they begin to run, and the rain begins to fall almost at an instant, because prevailing prayer is a prayer that understands that we are working with God, that God has declared what he wants to happen, but then now as a church, as the people of God on the earth, we are the ones that are now drawing heaven down into this place. God has a will that he wants to give to you, to your family, into this church, into this community. He has things that he wants you to receive, but he will never receive them until people say, I'm going to press in and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to prevail in prayer and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep asking and I'm going to keep seeking and I'm going to keep knocking and I'm not going to give up until his answer is here. And Elijah says to you and he says to me, hey, don't give up so easily. Don't give up so quickly. Maybe you need to pray again. The second example is the example of Jesus. He's always a good one to follow. All a good example to have, have. Mark chapter 14, verse 39 says, and again, would you say again? again? And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Now here's Jesus, this is the garden of the Gethsemane. He's at, he's at the moment right before the cross, and we know the prayer, it's, he's praying, you know, God, I, 
this is just so difficult. I don't know if, if I can do it. Nevertheless, Lord, let your will be done. And, and, he, and he prays, it says here, again, he, he goes and he prays a prayer once, and, and he comes back and he prays the prayer again, and he also prays, it says, the same words. Have you ever done that? You just, it's like, man, I don't know what else to pray. It's almost like at some point I'm just repeating my prayer. Hello? The Lord is calling. We say the same words, and sometimes you feel like I'm just saying the same words over and over and over again, and nothing is happening. And yet, here is Jesus, and he prays until he receives the strengthening that he needs. He prays until then he is able to go out and, and say, now the hour is here. Let's do it. Let's get the business on that God has for us. Mark chapter 8, verse 25, again, Jesus says, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes Again, would you say the word again? He did it again. Here's Jesus praying for a blind man. He, and this is a fascinating story. He prays for the blind man, and, the, and, and then he says, what do you see? And the blind man says, well, I see people, but they look like trees. Uh, and I don't know if, I mean, if he's seeing people upside down. I don't know if he's just like, a, it's, like it's almost like it's a partial healing. And I'm thinking, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Every, every person who comes to him is healed. Every demon that comes into contact with him runs in the other direction. There's, everybody bows at the, at the, at, on their knee to Jesus. And, and here's Jesus, and he prays twice? Why in the world would Jesus have to pray twice? Maybe it's simply to remind us that sometimes we might have to pray more than once. We might have to pray again. And it says, and again, and then he opened his eyes and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. The third example is an example of Joshua in the Old Testament. And Joshua, the Lord is, is speaking to him and tells him, this is right at the beginning of the conquest of, of the promised land that God had promised to Israel. And Joshua is sent, and, and the Lord says to Joshua, I have given you the city of Ai. You're going to go against it. It's the first city that they're going to attack uh, in the promised land. And the Lord says, I've given you the city. You're going to be victorious. Your, your, your troops are, are going to defeat the city, and it, it's going to be yours. And this is what it says in, in, in verse 18. And this is not a prayer, but there's a point here about prayer that I want you to get. It says, then the Lord said to Joshua, point the spear in your hand towards Ai, for I will hand the town over to you. And Joshua did as he was commanded. I want, to, I want you to think about that, that spear as a prayer that is directed and focused on the area that God has given us to focus on. And the Lord says to Joshua, I'm going to give you the city. It's your city. You're going to defeat it. You're going to take it. There's not going to be a problem. Your troops are going to overrun it. And yet there comes the moment when the Lord says to Joshua, you're going to have to do something here. And he says, point your spear as if he's saying, focus your attention specifically on this city, on this place. I want you to take victory over here. This is the thing that I have for you, Joshua. I have AI for you. I have this city for you. I have this specific thing for you. It's not all these other cities. They may come some other time. But for right now, in this time, in this place, in this moment, this is the thing that I have for you. And so all of your energy, all of your focus, all of your attention is to be focused specifically in this direction. And he points the spear in faith and obedience. And he points the spear directing his troops saying, this is a thing that God has given it. And they go and they take the city. In order for us to be people of prevailing prayer, we not only have to pray again, but we also have to pray with focus. 
We have to pray with attention and intention. We have to get specific with what it is that we're asking for. Look at this quote from uh, Wesley Duell. He says this, intercession is more than an occasional heartwarming emotional love to God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more than, in other words, like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, God. I, I've, I've had those kinds of prayers. Oh, God, you're, you know, you're good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But he, he says there, it's, it's something more than that that we're talking about. It's more than expressions of goodwill on our knees when we think of the sick and the suffering among our friends. Prayer is more than a cry of earnest desire when suddenly faced with the crisis of need. We've all done that. Oh, God, help. That's the prayer. Not a bad prayer, but what we're talking about is prevailing prayer. Prevailing prayer, he says, is holy work, fervent labor. The kind of prayer that we're talking about is, is, is the spear that focuses with authority on the desired circumstance, event, person, or nation. What we're talking about is getting specific. We're talking about narrowing the focus to increase the force. We're talking about striking the target until the target is defeated. We're talking about standing and, and contending and doing the work and not giving in until the opposition falls. We're recognizing that the enemy is standing in the way and, we is, and we're continuing to knock and we're continuing to press and we're continuing to fight and we're continuing to point the spear in the direction that we know God has called us to go in, in the things that we know that he has given us, the victory that we know he has promised us and we're not going to give up and we're not going to give in until we see it. And so we press towards the goal. So we continue to fight. So we continue to pray. We don't give up too soon. We don't give in too quickly. We've got to be the kind of people that prevail. Now, let me just tell you three elements of intercessory prayer that prevails, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll end with, with this. Three elements of intercessory prayer that prevails. The first is this. You need a specific target to address. That's what we're talking about. We, we, intercessory prayer is standing in the gap. When we're talking about standing in the gap, what we're doing is, is we're talking about the gap is the area of brokenness. It's the area of need. It's the area where we need to see God's intervention. It's that marriage situation. It's, it's the broken relationship. It's the healing. It's the sickness in the body. Yeah, it, it's the financial provision. It's the job that needs to come through. It's, it's the area of brokenness and addiction that we can't seem to overcome. Whatever is that area of need that we see that there's a gap there where we don't see God's promises in activation, actuality in that place, that's where, that's where we're standing. And we got to get more specific. I just want to encourage you, get more specific in your prayers. we got to stop praying the, 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 oh God, let there be peace on earth. I'm not saying don't pray, let there be peace on earth. I'm just saying, golly, get a little bit more specific, right? I mean, let, let's paint the picture a little bit more detailed. Oh, God, help people. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's great. Now, that's kind of a prayer that we're just sort of shooting out there anywhere, hoping that it will hit a target somewhere. It's time for us to get more specific. When, when we're, when we're going to pray for uh, the, the salvation of the lost, 
Pray for this person that you know needs the salvation from heaven, that needs God to come into their life. And we begin, we put their name there, and we say, God, I'm praying right now for, for Joe, that, that God, that you would open his eyes. I'm praying that salvation would come into his, his heart, into his mind. He's lost, and he's broken. He doesn't even know that he needs you, God. And I'm praying that something would shift in his life. I'm praying that light would shine in the darkness. I'm praying that he'd wake up in the moment that he's at right now. God, for Joe, I'm standing for him today. I asked about him yesterday. I'm asking about him today. I'm sending today the message to Joe by the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that there's going to be light that comes into his household, that he's not going to be lost, that he's not going to be gone, but that today is the day of salvation and that, God, you want him to come into your kingdom. See, we're getting specific. It's time for us to get specific. It's time for us to get specific. You can pray for healing. We'll, we'll start to get specific about the healing. God heal people. Well, that's great. But let's start to pray for specific things. Let, let, let's start to paint the picture. Think of your, your prayer as an ability, as an opportunity to paint the picture of what you're asking God to do. And sometimes we, we, we don't actually paint much of a picture. Sometimes our prayers, the reason I think sometimes we, we are so, prayers are so boring is because they're so lame. They're so uncreative. They're, 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 they don't take any time to, to, to use the artistry of God to paint the picture of what you want to see him do. If you're praying for healing for somebody's body, well, let's start to pray for healing. God, I pray that you would right now in the cells of the body, the fibers that are going on, that you would begin to change and readjust some things. I pray that you'd line, their back is hurting, God. I'm praying that you would divinely, like a chiropractor, you would begin to reorganize and readjust the vertebrae and the nerve endings that are going and that are firing off. God, I'm praying that you would bring peace to those nerve endings, that you do surgery even right now. You're able to go in and you're able to do the divine, by the divine power of Jesus, surgery that no surgeon can do. And so, God, I'm praying that right now that, that every part of, the, of the, his body would respond in Jesus. There'd be a quickening in his very physical being, even in this very hour. So you, you get a little bit creative about painting something, and suddenly you find you don't fall asleep when you pray anymore because you're actually having to do the work of painting the picture, and you're actually focusing your prayers at a higher level. We've got to get specific. We've got to get specific. Get specific about praying for salvation, about healing, about restoration for families and for marriages, about praying for streets and neighborhoods and cities. Boy, if, if you live in the city, there's a street that you live on. You need to pray for that street name. When you walk down that street or you drive down that street, you look at the houses and you pray for the, Lord, I pray for that house right there. I'm praying, God, for that family in that place, the people that live in that place, that there will be a divine encounter of your presence right there in that house, God. This is my street, as a matter of fact. I live on the street, and so I claim authority in this place that your kingdom is coming here, Lord, on my street, and every house is going to be affected in the name of Jesus. People that don't know you, Lord, are going to wake up in the moment that they didn't even know that they were hungry after you, and they're going to go, I'm missing something. Something's changing in their spirit. See, it's time for us to actually put some addresses on the prayers, to actually let the Lord know what we're asking. So we need a specific target. Secondly, we need a firm foundation to stand upon. We're not just talking about asking any kind of prayer. We're not just talking about creating creative prayers just to be creative. You actually need to pray according to God's will. Because when you pray according to his will, it's a firm foundation to stand on. Look at this verse in 1 John 5, 14. This will guide your prayer. This will give you power in your prayer. This will help you understand that prayer is actually working with God. You're not trying to get God to do what you want. 
you're releasing God's authority in the area that he actually already wants to work. And you're participating with his will. You're not trying to force God to do your will. It's important, it's important distinction. So you need to understand what God's will is. Look, 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Say confidence. confidence. Confidence means that you are totally sure, you're not afraid, that you know what your authority is, you know what you can ask for. You're not going, well, God, if it be your will. I'm not saying you never pray if it be your will. I'm just saying there are some things that we know what God's will is about. And, and when, when you know God's will, then you pray according to his will. And you can keep praying, you send that money to the bank because you know that God is actually desiring to do his will. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You want to be heard in heaven? You pray his will. You pray his will. So let me just tell you, if you have a prayer, if you have an area of need, an area that you're interceding for, that, that gap that you're standing in, you get into the word and you find out what God has to say about that area. And then you stand on that because that's the firm foundation. You're praying for salvation. Let me tell you, you don't have to doubt that God wants to bring salvation to every person on the planet. That's what his word says. His word says that he doesn't desire that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Jesus himself said, if I'm lifted up, that is on the cross, I will draw all mankind to myself. So in other words, the Lord doesn't want to anyone to be lost and his desire is that everyone will be saved. Therefore, I can pray in total confidence that my kids, God, they have your name on them. You want to see them saved. You want to bring salvation to their house. So I claim them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I remember what it says in the books of Acts that you and your whole household will be saved. Not just everybody, not just random people, but God, I'm praying for this person right now. And I know that your word says you desire for them to come into your kingdom. So, so you, can stay, you can be confident then because you know that what God's will is. You can be confident when you pray for healing because God is a healer of bodies. That when you look at Scripture, that when Jesus came, he said that he actually came to set people free to bring salvation, spirit, soul, and body. It's not just, just a spiritual idea that Jesus came to do. He came to bring healing and restoration to every element of our being. And so when we pray for healing, we can pray in confidence the scripture says, lay hands on the sick and they might recover. It says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Right. And so, so, Lord, I don't know what it is that's in the way. I don't know why the delay is happening. But what I do know is you said, pray the prayer of healing and healing will come. And so we're praying again for that healing. We're praying again, Lord Jesus, because we can know that your will is that they would be healed. Thirdly, praying for a marriage. You better know what God thinks about marriage. You better know that firm foundation to stand on. The good news is, is that God is for marriage. Yes. That he, he said that what, uh, what God has brought together, let no man tear asunder. He, he says, let marriage be held in honor before all. So there's some things I know about marriage. So when I pray for marriages and I put some people on that list praying for marriages and there's many people struggling in their marriage, I can pray in confidence because I know God is for them and he can change hearts and he can bring forgiveness and he can cause things to, that totally seem impossible and broken. I've seen marriages that, that divorced, broken up, there was no hope, they came back together, God restored them and brought them together. There's nothing that's impossible to God and God is for them so I can pray in confidence. So you have to have a specific target I want to encourage you to get specific. You have to have a firm foundation. You need to know what God's will is so that you can pray in total confidence. And then thirdly, you need a commitment 
to break through spiritual opposition. A commitment to break through spiritual opposition. The truth is, is, is that there is spiritual opposition, that there is an enemy, and there are things that are opposed to your prayer coming and being fulfilled. And what we have to do is we have to constantly and continually pray to push through that opposition. Acts 12, 5 says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. So we have to be committed to, to not, to not give, give up. You have to remember, the more significant the prayer is that you're praying, usually the more significant the opposition. If you're praying a big prayer, oftentimes there's big oppositions to big prayers. It's, it's, it's one thing to pray a, a little prayer. It's, you know, if you're praying for healing, I, I'll just tell you, it's way, way different praying for a headache than it is to pray against cancer. You got a headache, I'll pray for you anytime. We're going to pray against cancer, there's some work to do. Because we understand that the, the opposition, the, the level of engagement, the level of brokenness is at a completely different level between those two things. And so I have to prepare myself for the battle. I have to understand that it may require a little bit more than just a simple little little prayer. And, and oftentimes we, ha we give up before the, the enemy is defeated because we uh, we've have forgotten that re it requires a sustained effort in order to push back what the enemy has authority in, what he's pushing back against. And I just want to encourage you, don't stop. Don't stop too soon. Don't give in. Let me just end with, with this story out of the Old Testament. It's a story of the prophet Elisha, who, who followed the prophet Elijah. And he was one day with a king who was wondering whether he was going, he was coming up against the, another kingdom, against Syria. And he was wondering whether or not he was going to win the victory uh, over the king of Syria. And, and it's a story, and then Elisha says to the king, he says, hey, take your, take your bow, take your arrows, and, and I, want you to, I want you to shoot an arrow out of the window. And he says, that arrow represents victory over the king of Syria. And, and as you shoot that arrow, oh, it's the, the Lord desires to give you victory. And, and then in verse 18, it says this, it says, take the arrows, and the king takes them, and he says, to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck, this is the king, strikes three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. He says, if you, if you would have taken those arrows and if you would have been serious about it, you would have kept striking the ground. If, if you would have realized that, that this is not just a half-hearted effort, but this is something that requires total engagement, you would have kept hitting the ground. But you just kind of half-heartedly just kind of tapped the ground three times. And so you're only going to have a partial victory. If, if you had really not given in, if you had taken me for my word that what we're doing here actually makes a difference, that this little silly thing of taking a physical object and tapping it on the ground, we're actually doing work in the spiritual realm. If you would have taken that seriously, then you would have seen total victory. But because you were sort of ah, half-hearted about it, I don't know, embarrassed, just a silly thing, tapping the arrows against the ground. Because of that, 
you won't see the total victory. Prevailing prayer says, I'm going to strike the ground and I'm going to keep hitting the target and I'm not going to give in. And because there's been delay, because there's been opposition, because things haven't turned out in the timeline that I thought they would or the way that they would, I'm still not going to give in because I believe that what the Word of God says is true, that His will has actually come to pass, that I'm in, in working with Him in prayer. And so, Lord, I'm here once again. I'm lifting up my prayer to you again. It's me, God. Remember me? I'm praying that same prayer again. I'm hitting the rock again. I'm not giving up because I know, Lord, the answer is on the way and the timing is up to you. But my job is to keep at it, is to not give up, is to continue to strike the ground. Let's be a, a church. Let's be a people that who are determined, that we make a covenant in our heart, that we make a decision. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to, I might be discouraged, but I'm going to get back up again and I'm going to get back on my knees and I'm going to pray again. Again. Would you stand to your feet? Just close your eyes. And let's just seek the Lord just for a moment. God, would you make us a people of prayer? Would you make us a people who don't give up? Would you make us a people who won't get so easily distracted and so weary so quickly? Lord, we just acknowledge that so many times we have given up too soon. God, I just acknowledge so many times I'm, I'm just lazy in my prayers. That, 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 that I'll pray once, I'll pray twice, I'll even pat my back, uh, myself on the back if I pray three times. But Lord, I, I know that you actually have something more for me. So I, I just pray, God, right now for, for everyone in the house today, for everybody that's watching online, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would have endurance, that we would have commitment, that we would be people that would continue to strike the ground. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to focus that target of prayer, how to pray specific, Lord, that you would give us the names of people that need to know you and that we would not give up until we see them come into the kingdom. Lord, we pray for the prodigal. We pray for the broken. We pray for the healing. We pray for the streets of our city. We pray for our schools. Lord, we're asking that you would shift and break something in the name of Jesus in the heavenlies. Lord, we're asking that you would make us a people who would be willing to partner with you. God, that we wouldn't give up and that we wouldn't give in. That we'd continue to cast the net until we see the harvest that you have. And so, Lord, we hear your voice today saying, go ahead and keep throwing the net out. Go ahead and don't give up. And we hear you, Lord, and we're going to be responding to you in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at casinghamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.